You're listening to the pulpit of Marion Avenue Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us for today's message. For additional resources, you can visit us online at marionavenuebaptist.com or by calling 855-825-4113. The truth will make you free. Exodus chapter number 21. Exodus chapter number 21 in your Bibles. Exodus chapter number 21. Not everyone in Christianity is all in. Do you understand that? This morning we preached about it coming to pass. Time is ticking. Life is moving on. I have six little children now. So the world is going to hell and there's so much hatred and evil and crime. And man, they need the light of the gospel. And God is so good. We have the truth. The gospel means good news. Exodus chapter number 21 going to begin reading in verse number one. Would you stand to your feet? I'm about ready to read a shocking passage of scripture to some of you. I want you to see what the Holy Spirit is trying to show us through this passage. Listen closely. You're going to want to learn this passage of scripture. Exodus chapter 21, the Bible says, now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. Next phrase is pretty shocking to some, especially in our culture, but listen closely. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master hath given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her master's. And he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl. And he shall serve him forever. Tonight I want to preach forever for God. Forever for God, or going from the have to to the get to. Father, I pray that you take this passage of Scripture, your word that ever liveth, Lord, to speak to us. I pray that you'd minimize distraction. May we sit up to this life-changing truth that could set the course and direction for the rest of our life. Lord, this could be the defining sermon that you speak to us and use to transform our life. Please do just that, Lord. We are weak. I am weak. I am nothing. I'm knocking at your door. I'm asking for bread nutrients. I'm asking for something to give to your people. Holy Spirit, please work and move in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This is a very strange law. How many of you would agree with me on that? Raise your hand if you're reading. But this was a very, very important law. The first thing that you have to understand when you come to what looks like slavery in the Bible is to understand that this is about a free will law. Now listen very closely because you're going to want to know this because our culture says these words. I've heard it more than once in the mainstream media. The Bible got slavery wrong. No, the Bible didn't get it wrong because God hates slavery. And so do I. And I hate all racism. I think it, I, I'm telling you, and until our hearts are made clean and new and born again, I tell you what, there's no, not going to be peace and, and, and rest that we so seek and desire. And if you love the Lord... Um, you know that God loves everybody. 
But wait a minute, if you buy a Hebrew servant and then he can't go out and he can go out and you got to... No, no, no. This is a very, very important, important law. A lot of people take something like this and run with it and say, look, God is this nasty person. No, God's been good. For in this context and in this passage of Scripture, we find a bankruptcy law. We find somebody, in most cases, as we study later on in the scriptures, that has to be motivated to work, and they've been lazy, or they've come to a point in their life, maybe just through brokenness, um, loneliness, they have nothing or nobody, and they come and they have a debt, listen, that they cannot pay. And the master, if you will, the, 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 the man that has the business, the man comes and he says, look, I want to take a loan from you, and the all that I have left is my labor. I will work for you, and it is a loan, and at the end of the six years, or set, going into the seventh year, it's paid off. Now, the law was there to say how long. It was there to protect. And it was there for some stipulations so that uh, the, 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 the good man who showed mercy and, and paid the guy's loan and let him work for him all those years who became his master and the guy became his servant that he didn't get took. And by the way, if you want to see verse 16, notice verse 16, that, that the left, if you will, never goes and, and looks at. The Bible says, He that stealeth a man and selleth him, or if he be found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. That's what the Bible thinks about this what we think of what the Europeans did and what they did in the African countries, selling themselves out, stealing people, selling themselves and the hard labor and there was no freedom. No, this is somebody coming and saying, I need to be bought. And the money was given for that man's cause. It's different than slavery, isn't it? I'm clearing all that up because that's not really where we're going to go in the message. But a lot of people come to a passage of scripture and we want to just like, let's not talk about that or look about that. When there's actually beautiful truths right there. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's profitable. And this passage of scripture is profitable. So verse 16 says, no, you can't, you can't do this. You can't steal a man and sell. God hates that. And, 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 and it, all men were, were born to be free. But what? watch this. The man is down and out, he has nothing, he has a debt, and God is a just God. And so, instead of the government stepping in and paying the debt for him, which is really not of God, they said, no, you work it off. Man shall not work, he shall not eat. And so the man would go, and uh, he would be bought, and uh, or when I say he would be bought, he's, he's not, the man is not buying, he is giving the money for the year, but now he can, he has a decision to make, he can go out. They were selling themselves will willingly. And the law says there's a length of time. And there's then a decision about what you're going to do about your time there working for this man. Uh, and you have a decision to make. So the law stated that you could work six years. And in your seventh year of work, when it came to that seventh year, you could go out free. Why? Because it was a free will thing, okay? Everybody understand that here. Next time you hear on one of these news stations, the Bible got slavery wrong, just say, that dude don't know God from a hole in the wall, and he needs Jesus. Amen. The law stated that you could go out free, but with this freedom, there was a stipulation. If you came in with a wife, your wife and you, you go out. The loan's been paid, the debt's been paid, you're free to go. But if you were in here, and your master was good to you, and 
He gave you a wife. He had given you lodging and food and shelter and turned your life around. He gave you a wife. And because of that wife, uh, your wife gave you beautiful babies. And you want to go out free, you got to go out free by yourself. You're not making money off this deal. You're not, you're, you're not bettering yourself off this deal. Uh, the, the, the master has the right to keep that. Now stay, stay li- with me. That freedom that he is facing has some decision. They decided to go free, there was a lot to consider. And we are in our set free theme. And this is a very, very unique message. And if you miss, if you clock out for 30 seconds, you'll miss the journey that we're on. So he comes to the end of his serving and he has a decision to make. He comes to the end of slavery, if you want to call it that. He's serving this guy. And the has-tos in life now become a decision. I'm going to say it again because it's, it's fundamental to this message. The has-tos or the have-tos in life now become a decision. Has my master given me the life that gave me love? Has my master given me the kind of life that gave me a marriage relationship? Has my master given me the kind of life that because of that love gave me children? Let me just tell you something. There's nothing like children. Oh, this mentality in the world that the next generation is a bother and there's there's it's they're just brats and they're just in the way because we've got our careers and we've got our life you're missing one of the greatest blessing the greatest blessing oh children and not just because i have a few day old child and my children came running the office today as they always do take off their coats and put them in my closet and i don't care how swamped how busy my heart just melts there was three of them that ran in tonight, and we got a big group hug, and I said, I love you. Oh, there's nothing like it. And so this guy had a decision to make in Exodus chapter 21. If the slave decided that it wasn't a life that he wanted, then he could go out free. It was his choice. He had a free will. Listen, teenagers. It was his life. He could do whatever he wanted to do. It was his journey, his life. He's free. Go. He got out of bankruptcy. He's okay. He's a new man. I'm going out free. And he could do it. But read verse 5 again. Exodus chapter 21. I don't think you'll ever read this passage the same. But if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master. I love my wife and my children. I will not go out free. For many nights, he would walk home from working in the fields. His wife would ask him, how was your day? And I can imagine him asking, answering like a lot of the slaves would answer or servants would answer that had become bankrupt and now has to serve this man. He'd say, you are my bright spot. You are the joy, but You know, I'm doing what I have to do. I'm eating what I have to eat. I'm living where I have to live. I was bankrupt. I was down and out. And I have to be here. I am serving. Why? Because I say it out loud. Have to. And did he not have to? He had to. He says, uh, this is where I've been told to live. And so I'm living here. I did what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. And his life seemed filled with many 
have-tos or has-tos. Oh, honey, you are the bright spot. And let me just tell you, a wife is a bright spot. Don't let this culture tell you that marriage is not a bright spot. It's the greatest thing in all the world. God is so good when you follow after him and, and, and you allow your master, God Almighty, to give you a good wife. And he does. Let me just tell you something. There's nothing like marriage. If I tried to tell you, I'd have to get graphic and it wouldn't be good. But let me just tell you something. God is good Amen. in every area of marriage. I love marriage. Whether you're 90 or whether you're, you've just been married a few years, I've heard from all. And they say it just gets better and better, or gooder and gooder. But his wife would say, yeah, you have to, don't you? He said, you know, I'm just serving. But they'll come a day, honey. They'll come a day. We're just doing what we've got to do. Don't miss this. Doing what we've got to do. She says, honey, we're going to have a baby. We're going to have a baby like a little, a little child. And she gives birth and that little baby comes along and all oh, the joy and he's still out there doing what he's got to do day in and day out faithful why because he was bankrupt and broken and had to be sold into slavery he had to get that loan paid but there was going to come a day that he didn't have to do this anymore one day his master calls him to the office you know that feeling when you get called into the office <laughs> you know what i'm talking about he gets caught in the office and he walks in his master's office and his master says sit down sir he sits down he said, you, you, you've been a good servant. He said, thank you. Done what I'm supposed to do. Just doing what I'm supposed to do. I have to do it. <laughs> what can I? Well, I'm glad you have. You've been a good servant. Do you know what six months from today is? Six months. Six months from. He said, I want you back in my office. We'll have the papers on the table. Six months from today, I'm free. I can go do whatever I want to do. I can live my life now. I can have my way, my to hallelujah, I am free. I've served my time six months. And so he goes out and he's looking forward to that day. Because his life's been filled with have-tos. You see it here. Exodus 21, 1 through 6. And that day comes. He's out in the field. He's sweating. He's been working hard. As he's been doing for seven years. Working in the fields. Plowing with the oxen, doing everything he's told to do, following the master's order. Why? Because he feels like he has to, and he does. He does. But at the end of that day, he knew what was coming. The end of the day comes, and he walks into his master's office, as we find in verse number uh, 5 and 6. He comes into his master's office. It doesn't say his office, but he came somewhere, okay? He, he talked to him somewhere. Maybe he was out on the front porch or wherever. And his master says, here's the day. I've got the papers. Your loan has been paid. Everything's covered. Your debt has been paid. You can go out free. As he says, I need a little time to think tonight. It's a little emotional. He remembers seven years ago walking onto that farm. He remembers how different his life was back then. He remembers that he was broken. He remembers that he was penniless. He remembers that he was hurting. He remembers that he was in shame. He remembers that he had to go and sell. All he had left was just this hard manual labor. That's it. 
There had to be walls made up about him, how he couldn't run and leave out because the loan had been, the, the servant, the, the master had paid off the loan. He couldn't run. If he'd run, he'd have to be brought back and whipped. Well, God's for beating slaves. No, 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 no. It was, it was a good plan here. And all those years of have-tos, now he's faced with a decision. And he remembers seven years ago, he's recollecting. We see that plainly when we come to verse 5 as he plainly says. I like that. He remembers walking in broken. He remembers walking with nothing but shame and nothing to pay. Hey, listen, I'm already ahead of you in my heart, but some of you, and we've all lived in sin, but some of you before the Savior met you ought to be getting real excited about right now in your heart. He remembered walking in in true bondage in heart. See, we don't understand what true freedom is, but we're coming in through a great journey about ready to find out what true freedom in Christ is really all about. And he came in with that true bondage and spirit down and out, nothing left but to sell himself into slavery. Then he remembered the words of his master and says, I'm going to give you a good place to sleep. I'm going to buy you. I'll pay you. I'll, I'll treat you. I'll buy you out. He was given a place to live and he was given undeserved love. I love my master. Why? Because he first loved him. He was kind to him, showed him mercy. He was then given a wife. He was given children. He would have had none of that. Listen to me. He would have had none of that had he not had this experience. Are you with me tonight? Are you seeing the scriptures? He would have had none of that. He comes in to sign his discharge papers. His master says, all you've got to do is just sign right here. It's your life. You can do, young people, you can do anything you want to do. It's your life. Christian, it's your life. He stops to think about how good his master had been to him. And when you recognize that the master has been good to you, when you recognize that all you have in this Christian life, in this have-to Christian life, that so many Christians approach and look at like, I got saved, but now I got to follow this list of rules. I've got to. But when you come to a decision time like this preaching message that God designed and God orchestrated and said, it is time for you to decide, are you going to go from a have-to Christian life to a bondservant of Jesus Christ to say, I was down and I was out. And I was broken and I was in sin. But he paid a debt I could not pay. I owed a debt I could not pay. He purchased me with his blood. He saved me. And my master has been good Amen. to me. Amen. There comes a day in each and every one of our lives where we must, we must, we must come from the have to to the I will. Amen. I want to. Let me just stop and say that my heart has been broken time and time again as I've seen young people. And let me just say, I love how God works. I had a message prepared for this morning, had no idea that somebody very specifically was sitting in here this morning that really needed that message. And I believe others were. Tonight, I did not know the young people would be in the service. The team runs all of that and they've done a great job. And now as I'm preaching, I'm seeing how poignant this is to young people who are told, whether in Christian homes sitting here or, or in non-Christian homes, but coming to church and they're told, do right, do right, do right, do right, do right. And my heart is broken that there comes a day where they realize, wait, I am free. And they miss the true freedom. Oh, 
I'm signing my papers. I'm out of here. And to go from this life, I'm going to have to leave a whole lot of love. I'm going to have to leave a whole lot of respect. I'm going to have to leave a whole lot of peace. I'm going to have to, hey, but I get to go my life. But somebody looks and says, God has been good. I want to be forever for God. So notice when he says, I I, I want to go from the have to life. And I want to go to the get to life. Oh, what true freedom. Notice verse um, Number uh, chapter number 21 in your Bibles, look at it, would you? In verse number 6. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the door post. Oh, there's so many types and pictures here, but just stay with me. Stay with me. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. Have you ever witnessed a penning? A medal ceremony, but not just winning a medal, but pinning for something that someone has gone through and they, they choose to step up to the plate and wear that to represent like a, a, a medal of honor or some pin of a fireman or a soldier or somebody who's done some exemplary uh, service. They've done something. And if you watch closely, one of the special things of these pinnings is they're there and the man is getting something pinned on his lapel and, and, and there's all the ceremony to it and the commandant, if you will, is, is pinning on. But if you look back in the corners, typically you'll see a young wife holding some babies. And every once in a while that man will glance over and look at the true medals. And the true goodness. Let me tell you something more beautiful than that. When a Christian recognizes that you were on your way to hell. You had nothing spiritual. But God gave you grace. And God gave you love. And God gave you peace. And God gave you life and life more. Say it with me if you know it. Abundantly. When you come to that decision time and that you realize I'm going to have to walk away from everything that God has given me. I'm going to chart the course of my own life. I'm walking out free. I'm going to be my own man. I'm not going to follow that book. I'm sick and tired of a half to life. Young people. Oh, for one young person that says, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I realize now I'm coming to the age, maybe 16, 17, 18, 19. Man, I get to choose my life now, choose my way. But God's been good to me. Amen. And I want to serve him. You're going to have to walk away from a whole lot of love. Walk away from a church that loves you. Walk away from the blessings of God. And he says, I want, I want to do that. He says, now you understand You understand what this means? He said, I I understand. He said, all right, come over here to the doorpost. He says, okay. As he's walking through the hallway to the door, here's the pitter-patter, little feet. He says, I want to do this. Here's the warm voice of his master who's turned his life around. He says, I want to do this. He hears the loving voice of his wife. His master's been so good to give him. 
He says, I want to do this. He says, okay. Are you sure? You're forever going to serve. You're forever in. You're taking me off trial. It's not a decision anymore. It's not a have to anymore. He said, do it, do it, do it. The gym come up. And he takes him. Should have got a hammer. We could have pierced somebody tonight. What do you like? You want studs? You want two or three? What do you want? Okay. I saw him in Claire's one time, but he couldn't get up the nerve. Okay. Anyways. Are you sure? Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? You can be seated by the gym. Bleeding? Yeah. Pain? Yeah. Odd? (laughs) Yeah. Weird? Peculiar? Yeah. But he takes the bleeding and the pain and the oddity and he goes home. He says to your wife, to his wife, what do you think? And like all good wives, it looks good on you, baby. (laughs) I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. We need some Christians that says, I'm not going to play around anymore. I'll bear in my body the marks of the cross. I will identify with Christ. Put it there. Put a hole in the air that can never be undone. I'm all in. I've decided to follow Jesus. You can see the storyline as he sits down on the couch. I can really see it because I've got children. They're messing your hair up on a Sunday afternoon. And my hair takes work to not show how bald I am. One of these days you're going to see it, okay? Kid's messing his hair up, sitting on his daddy's lap, you know, sticking stuff up his nose and just tormenting him. All of a sudden, his little, little boy says, Dad! Hey, Dad! Gave you some ideas. Hey, Dad! What is it, son? Dad feels that finger go through that hole. Daddy, what's this hole in your ear all about? The reason why we're having a generational crisis is because we've got moms and dads that don't have any holes born in their ears. And when they ask about the Lord, what will you say? When they wonder if dad and mama are all in. They've decided to fight. Hey, listen, some of these young people, they have no idea really what I'm talking about. Some of them. They don't know. Some of them probably think I'm as nutty as the day is long. They come to a service like this. But I guarantee you every single one of them know that I believe what I'm talking about right now. They see an odd hole in my ear. Are you with me tonight? And Aaron doesn't understand it all, and Hannah doesn't understand it all, and Lydia doesn't understand it all, Abigail doesn't understand it all, and Rachel doesn't stand it all, and Andrew surely doesn't understand it all. But let me tell you something. One day, Aaron's going to say, Daddy, you got a hole in your ear. Tell me about it. And I'm going to say, there was a day when I had a choice. I would have never met your mom, and I would have never met you, and I would have never had this church, and I would have never had peace, and I would have never had joy, and I would have never had impact, and I would have lived my life for myself. But I said, God, put it there. I'm forever yours. And in that day, I was set free. When I started serving Jesus as a teenager, I did not see my children 
I hate to do this. It's really against my principle, but I'm breaking the principle. I hate to pick on my kids, but some of my children are in here. Would you come up? I just, real, real brief. Hannah and Aaron, just run up here, please. Come on up here. I say please right before I say get up here. I did not see this. Are you listening to me? Don't live in some kind of fantasy world and put your pastor on some kind of pedestal. I didn't see this teenager. But by faith, I said, the master is good to me because I have his book and his book says it'll be good. And I heard my dad saying, son, if God's in it, it'll be all right. And God will take care of you and God will bless you. And I had a decision to make just like all the other young people that I graduated with. And I'm no better than them. But some said, nah. I want to be free. And others said, okay, I love my master. He's been good to me. It is well with my soul. I couldn't see this. Let me just tell you something. There's no joy. I could preach a thousand messages. I could go on a thousand missing trips. I could do a thousand wonderful things, but there's no joy like this joy. But I had to thank you. I love y'all. I had to by faith. I had to by faith say, God put it here I want a hole in my ear Amen. oh taste and see that the Lord is good if you can't turn around and see the goodness of God you won't stay right. you won't stay even with all the have to's even with all the have to's has God not been good to you Amen. has God been good to you you say well I just you know I, I can't see that I have been blessed I just can't, I just don't understand what you're talking about. God has me, look at my, how my marriage turned out. Look at my home and look at, you're missing the first point. Notice verse number five, and I'm closing it now. We're coming down near the end. Notice verse number five. Well, I just can't see it. The grass always seems greener on the other side. Notice Genesis, excuse me, Exodus chapter 21. I lost my place here. And verse number five, uh, uh, the Bible says this. And if the servant shall plainly say What? I love who? My master. The reason why so many people turn their back and leave is because they've left their first love. There it is. The first love. If he plainly say, not if he plainly say, I love my wife. If he plainly say, I love my master. The reason we don't see the wife and the reason we don't see the children and we, the reason we don't see the goodness of God is we've crawled up in our backslidden, sin-filled, apathetic, sit in our pew, us for and no more, and I don't care, God hasn't been good to me. It's because we've fallen out of love with God. He said, this is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. If he shall plainly say, I love my, say it with me, master. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You and I would be nowhere. I'm talking about a debt we could not pay. We'd have to give our lives to hell. But God says, no, 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 no. I'll purchase him with the price of my blood. Come and serve me. We come and serve. Hey, thank you. You paid the loan. But after about year one, I have to. Got to go to this nutty old church over there. They're always harping, bring your Bible. I got to wear these crazy clothes and listen to that kind of music. I can't wait to the day when I walk out. There's some young person right now that the Holy Spirit of God is working deep into your heart. And he's saying, turn around and look from where you came from. 
or where you could be or where you will be. When you go back out into the den of the wolves of this old world, I love my master. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. For many of you tonight, you need to take God off trial. The only way is when you stop trying to figure out what God's going to do to you and start believing what he will do with you. My master's been good to me. I thank God for a wife long before I ever met her that just took God off trial. Oh, what a beautiful and wonderful lady. True beauty's on the inside. She got it on the outside, but let me tell you something. Everything you see on the inside, can't, outside can't even be compared to the inside of somebody that God is not on trial. And every once in a while, the wind blows, and you can see when somebody's got it, a hole in their ear. That's a statement we all need to think about for a while. Every once in a while, the wind comes back, and through the wind of adversity and the wind of life, they're all in. Brother Dan, you were like this man. Out there in Colorado smoking your marijuana, and you'd be back there today legally. (laughs) But you were broken and penniless. And God says, I'll buy you. I'll purchase you, Brother Jim. Brother Steve is a 15-year-old boy. I'll buy you. You want in? As a young man and young men and young ladies, times in our life we come to the have-to kind of Christianity. But I'm looking for one that says, no, the grass isn't greener. No, God has been good. What if the grass is greener on the other side because it's always raining there? We're the, one who never fail, we're the ones who never fail to give hardly have enough to spare. Where the people with the broadest smiles have pillows filled with tears, and the bravest ones you've ever known are crippled by their fears. It's filled with lonely people, but they're never seen alone. Where those that lack real shelter make you feel the most at home. Maybe their grass looks greener because they've painted on its hue. Just remember from the other side, your grass looks greener too. How about somebody saying tonight, I'm all in. Put it there. Once a, you've heard this once a Marine, always a Marine. I'm in. You ain't taking it out. I am a soldier in the army of my God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Scriptures are my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I'm a volunteer in this army, and I am enlisted for eternity. I will not get out, sell out, be talked out or pushed out. I am faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. If my God needs me, I am there. I am a soldier. I'm all in. I'm not a baby. I don't need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. I am a soldier. I'm all in. No one has to call me, text me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, or lure me. I'm a soldier. I'm not a wimp. I'm in my place, saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his kingdom. No one has to send me flowers, gifts, food, cards, or candy, or give me handouts. I don't need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. I am committed. I'm all in. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me into this army, I had nothing. If I end up with nothing, I'll still come out ahead. 
I will win. My God has and will continue to supply all of my need. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. Somebody say amen right there. And hell cannot handle me. Hell cannot handle me. Why? Because I'm a soldier. I'm all in. Even death cannot destroy me, for when my commander calls me from this battlefield, he will promote me to captain and then allow me to rule with him. I'm a soldier in the army, and I'm marching to claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I'm a soldier marching heaven bound. Here I stand. Will you stand with me? I like what Vance Havner said. Where are the marks of the cross in your life? Are there any points of identification with your Lord? Alas, too many Christians will wear medals but carry no scars. Paul said it best in Galatians 6 and verse 17, from henceforth, let no man trouble me for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Paul said in Romans 1.1, I am a servant. That word there was a bond servant, a bond slave. I'm all in. I have chosen to serve him. Why? Because I've been purchased with, with blood in the New Testament time when we were under the Roman or the Jews were under the Roman law, a young man would be picked on. They would be given a heavy pack and by law, they had to carry it a mile. And Jesus came and said, listen, if the son will make you free, you'll be free indeed. So let me tell you what true freedom is. Are you ready? Jesus is about to teach you. And I, okay, okay. Here's what Jesus said. He said, if he tell you, you got to go a mile and you do by law, go a mile. When you get to that mile, Go twain. That word twain means go to. Here he is carrying the pack, and that first mile he has to. But there comes a point where he says, you know what? I don't have to anymore. I'm free. And this is a freedom like I've never had. You can beat me. You can yell at me. You can holler. But I can drop this pack anytime I want to. But I just so happen to want to carry this pack. There's true freedom. Amen. So many people looking for freedom. Amen. Let me tell you something. Get a hole in your ear tonight. Amen. Decide to follow Jesus. When the wind blows, people will see whether you have a hole or not. As an 11th grader in summer camp, growing up in a Christian home, a mom and dad that loved and challenged and put scripture and love and you name it and all of that, I still was living a have-to life. and didn't even fully realize it. Trying to be a good, but hey, this is what I have to do. Listen to me, young man. Ladies. Across the auditorium. I don't care how good of a home you come from. There's going to come a day in your life that came for me when I was in 11th grade. At a little summer camp with about 30 to 40 people there. And the preacher was preaching. And in that moment, Brother Jim, I ran to that altar. Tears streaming down my face. And I said, it's not my daddy's religion that I'm after. It's not the youth group. It's not Marion Avenue. Put a hole in the ear, God. Because I'm all in. I'm all in by faith. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I got a question. You, I, I, I've got a statement and a question. You're in the master's office tonight. Through the divine providence of bringing this message tonight. The papers are laying in front of you. You're going to sign them? And walk out free? Like the prodigal going his own life his own way. Are you going to say, I love my master. I love my wife. I love my children. This is a picture of how good God has been. Put it here. Amen. I can't go into how good the tree was. And how he was wounded and pierced for you and I. 
as a picture when Thomas says, I got to feel his scars and the nail prints. Let me just tell you something. Somebody else already came to earth and he submitted himself. Oh, it's so rich. But he submitted himself. He said, God, I'm all in. And in the garden, he prayed, let it pass. But then he looked beyond the price and he saw the prize. And he said, bore it through. Bore it through for eternity. And one day when you get to heaven, you're going to see two holes in his hand. And I'm going to walk up to him and say, Jesus, I ain't much. But look right there. There's a spiritual hole in my ear. Well, one day I went to the doorpost of Christianity, of the love of God, and I said, I'm in. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, Brother Steve, do you have a version of that? Would you stand to your feet as you listen to the song? Don't wait for somebody else to come. Teenager, young person, listen, would you go from the have to? Yes, you're in the have to life right now. Yes, your mom and daddy are telling you where to go to church and what to do and what to wear and what to read and when to go to bed and all of that. But how about some of you saying, by faith, I'm in. If preacher didn't see his children, but God did. Preacher didn't see his wife, but God did. Hey, listen, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know my master and I love my master and he's been good to me. Listen to this song and try to stay and just pray throughout the song. If you need to kneel in your seat, if you need to be saved, if you've never trusted Christ, come to the altar, get our attention. We'd love to win you to Jesus Christ. To know that he is the master like no other masters. Listen to the song and after the song we'll pray.
Is there anyone here tonight that needs to be saved? No one looking around you say, I don't know Jesus as my personal Savior. I don't know this good God you're talking about. I know of him and it's intellectual or head belief. I've talked about him, but I've never fully and 100% given my life to Jesus Christ. I've never asked him to save me, put all my faith and trust in him. And tonight I'd like for you to pray for me. Is that you? Raise your hand. If, 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 if those words could be your words, would you raise your hand from the left to the right? I'm looking all over. Anyone like that tonight? Don't walk out on the goodness of God. Got a lot to consider. Got a lot to consider what you'd have to leave. Oh, God's so good. Father, thank you for working tonight. I pray that if there is somebody here that's lost, I pray that you'd save their soul. Oh, how good you are. I pray, Lord, for each and every Christian in this room that may not be an all-in Christian. I believe there are many. When the wind blows, you see that big old hole in their ear. Their children have crawled up on their lap and there's many second generation Christians in the room right now and they know there's a big hole in their daddy's ear, spiritually. Put that finger in there, God, and they say, what's that, daddy? Daddy says, hey, listen, I paid a price. But let me tell you something, his yoke was easy. It was odd, it was peculiar, and my coworkers and my friends didn't understand it all. But I love my master. And I love my wife. And I love my children. I am a forever for God, Christian. Father, please work in our hearts. Thank you for this church, the greatest church in all the world. Oh, God, the spirit of revival and the presence of God and the outreach and, Lord, the giving and the heart and the unity and the love that flows to brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray we'd be all in Christians. In Jesus' name, amen.